I don't mind telling you that it's a good thing that I'm a preacher because I really don't feel like being here today. I feel like worshiping. I don't feel like preaching. Uh, sometimes it's just like that. You know, we preachers and ministers don't let you see that a lot of times. And one of the things that I'm realizing as I'm getting older is that maybe you need to. Maybe you need to see that even those of us responsible for sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ don't always feel like it. Um, it was a rough week last week, and quite frankly, I'm kind of angry. I'm not angry at God, okay? So don't hear that. I have been, so I'm, I'm not saying that never happened. I'm really not. I'm not really angry with God. It's just kind of, it's just been hard week. Sometimes you don't feel like it. You don't feel like coming to church. You don't feel like worshiping. What I've discovered, though, as I've gotten older, is that it's on those days when I don't necessarily feel like, you know, having to spend time with God, when it's most important to spend time with God and with those that you love, because not everybody probably feeling that this morning, and it's kind of okay to lean on the person sitting next to you uh, a little bit and let them carry you a little bit. So I'm going to preach, and I've, I've actually this I've been excited about this sermon for a few weeks, and now that I've kind of gotten that off my chest, now I really feel like preaching it, which is a good thing. Um, and and this is this is good stuff. Um, and it's because of a prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden. So I guess with that. Uh, out of the way, then let's, let's preach this thing. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for not being slow about your promise. We thank you for living up to what you've promised us every day, even on the days when we don't see it. We thank you for being good we know that you are too good to be unkind. And so we put ourselves in your hands with that in mind this morning. Thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. I do suppose that if given a blank check and told, go start a church, I think I'd call it Church One. Now, I'll tell you why. The very first kind of thing, and it's not the first thing written down in Scripture, but it is maybe one of the oldest things that God ever said to the people whenever God identified and said, this is who I am. God said, go tell the people, first of all, to listen, hear, and then it was the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then there's this beautiful language about the early churches. And one of the best ways that the early churches described the early churches was not the early churches, but singular. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And then an ancient prayer of Jesus in the Gospel of John, all of which inform us as part of the one greater life of God. 
My life has been impacted so wonderfully by old men. Just wonderfully. And I know that it's not correct to say old men. We're supposed to say something like older gentlemen, and, uh, seasoned gentlemen, experience. I, I really have, have been influenced wonderfully by a bunch of old men. I don't know how else to put it. And just to kind of set your mind at ease in using that kind of language whenever it's not proper to use that kind of language. As a child, I thought that old was anyone over 28. So that's what I mean by old, is that if you're over 28, you're old. The reason that I thought that is that I was born in 1972. And being a little boy in the 70s and then being a kind of burgeoning teenager in the early 80s, the year 2000 sounded like science fiction. Okay, so those of you who were alive before, you know, say the 90s, you know what I'm talking about, right? 2000 was what you know, people used when they wanted to paint pictures of science fiction or something way off in the distance. And it was like 2000. I remember being a little boy in the 70s thinking, how old am I going to be in the year 2000? And so then, you know, I, I got out a sheet of paper and, you know, 2000 minus 1972. Once I actually learned how to do that math, I realized oh, I'm going to be 28. I thought, man, that's old. 28, and I couldn't imagine as a little boy in the 1970s what it was going to be like to be 28 years old. When I was a little boy, I was always envious of an old man I knew who used to come over to our house who could blow his nose and sound like the horn on a clown car. Um, Teddy Roosevelt is said to have said comparison is the thief of joy. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I really wanted to be able to blow my nose too and make it sound like the horn on a clown car. And the thought of doing such a thing just filled me with joy. I just, I love the idea of that. I once knew an old man who stood at the back of uh, you know, the worship room and told jokes. We had an older gentleman in our church on Monday who occasionally would clear his throat so loud that it would make you flinch. Sometimes right in the middle of worship. I mean, I'd be at one of these poignant points in a sermon and I would pause for dramatic effect. And just like that, Ray would hit it. You know, and the person in front of him would jump. And I loved Ray. I, I, I just loved him. And he was a genuine follower of Jesus who loved following Jesus. And I think that these nose-blowing, joke-telling, throat-clearing old men are a part of what Jesus had in mind when He prayed for us, right before the cross. Did you know that, by the way? That Jesus prayed for us right before He went to the cross? 
Did you know that? That like Bering Drive 1910 through 2019 that we were included in that prayer? Some of you may know. It'd be like, yeah, I know exactly. Others of you might be thinking, what now? Jesus prayed for us here? Yeah, he did. Prayed for us, sitting right here, right now. And you know what Jesus prayed? Here's what he didn't pray. That they all may think alike. Because, I mean, some things are a lot to ask God. Didn't pray that. You know what Jesus prayed? That they may all be one. Right before the cross, Jesus prayed this long prayer. And I want to know how John got his hands on It's really three prayers. I want to know how John got his hands on this that wound up in our hands this morning as John 17. Because John 17 records these three prayers of Jesus right before the cross. But that third of his three prayers has my attention these days. And I remember the first time I heard it. The first time I heard it, I was in college. And the a cappella vocal band came and did a concert at ACU. Y'all remember a cappella? An a cappella vocal band? The, the like old time... Sorry, the experienced Church of Christ people kind of know what this is. If you hadn't heard them, I told Leah this week, I was like, see if you can find this song that they may all be one that's based in John 17. I remember hearing it in college, like maybe we can play it during communion. We listened to the first two or three minutes of it, and I was like, "Mm -mm, no. (laughs) Some things don't stand the test of time. But (laughs) the lyrics just really got my attention because of this notion of Jesus praying in the garden, what Jesus prayed in the garden. So one prayer, second prayer, third prayer, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. See my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. But like so many things, sometimes we get in the way of Jesus. It's not all on us. 
Some of it has to do with our world. I think there are some things in this world that make life in church just harder these days. And do you agree that there are just some things in everyday life that make life harder? And some things in everyday life make church sometimes harder than it needs to be? People are too willing to speak ill of one another. Have you noticed that? We, just, we live in this world that's gotten real comfortable with people saying bad things about others. I mean, one thing I remember about being a little boy in the 1970s is that I wasn't supposed to say something bad about the kid sitting next to me. Even though sometimes I really wanted to. You know, it, it just you weren't supposed to do that. I think social media has made people comfortable with typing things that they'd never say to someone's face. Uh, please hear what I'm about to say, because this is going to be really important to setting up the next thing that I say. I don't condone punching someone in the mouth. Okay? Everybody clear on that, right? I don't condone punching someone in the mouth. Everybody hear that, right? Somebody say it back to me just so that I... Okay, don't punch people in the mouth. I did see something, though, on social media about what I just said that said social media has made people comfortable typing things that if they said it to someone's face, used to would have gotten them punched in the mouth. But I don't condone <laughs> punching people in the mouth, right? But you know what I'm saying? People are so willing to type things. You know, there's, there's things going around. They're all over the place. You know, Jimmy Kimmel has this thing, mean tweets, where celebrities read mean tweets about, you know, themselves. And they read them out loud. And I, I've got to admit, first time I saw one of them, I thought, that's kind of funny. And then I started, stopped and thought, wait, wait, these are real people that these things are being said about. And it's like... Maybe there is a place, even for something that's presented as funny and a part of popular culture, maybe one of our jobs as a church is to stand up and say, there are things going on in our world all the time that are presented in popular culture as funny that we should not look at and say, wait, this, there's something wrong with this. There's something at its core that is wrong with this. Wouldn't it be something if the church going into 2020, which, man, talk about a year that sounds like science fiction, the year 2020, that's tomorrow. The year 2020, that if one of the things that made us distinguished as the church uh, who, who's made up of people who follow Jesus, what really distinguishes you, we don't say bad things about one another. That's it. Well, that's a big deal these days. We don't, we don't speak ill of one another. In fact, we don't speak ill of anybody. That's one of the things that Jesus is praying for in the garden, that we may all be one. Well, that's not a bad place to start. I also wish that we weren't so busy that everyone could be to church together most every Sunday. I mean, I live an active life. Obviously, most of you live very active lives. We're in and out 
a lot. I get that. I just wish, and again, we're just dreaming here, but I, I kind of wish that we could be together more often. It's just a few hours. You get here at 8.45. Again, you know, this is the world imagined in Scripture, right? You get here at 8.45, visit with one another for 15 minutes, we sit together in class, we enjoy each other's company, we worship together, and then by noon, you know, we're, we're out of here. But just for a few hours on Sunday morning, we get to spend time together. And I'll tell you, beyond that, if given this blank check, you know, and say, hey, go start a church somewhere, I'd most likely try to pray for a church that looks pretty similar to what we have here. Because I really do love it. And I think that 99.9% of who we are and what we do, we're already doing what Jesus is calling us to do. We're already being who Jesus is calling us to be. Are there more things that we can do? Sure. Are there other things that we need to be? Yeah, of course. But if it starts with this notion of one, the Lord is one, we are all one in Christ Jesus, then Jesus is praying in the garden that they may all be one. We're pretty much there. And I'm very grateful for that. I do think that one of the things that's against all churches these days, it's not just ours, but it's all churches, is that there's just too many churches to choose from, especially in a big city like ours. It's kind of like restaurants. I was told when I moved to Houston, you could eat at a different restaurant a hundred days in a row and never eat at the same place twice. And now that I've lived here for a while, I'm thinking a hundred, like a thousand. Eat for three years every day out and never eat at the same place twice. We need to find a way to tell people something like, and I don't know how to get the word out. Still going to try. We need to find some way to say, hey, Barry, give us four weeks in a row and just come. Just come be a part. Everything we do, Sunday morning class, Sunday morning worship, if you're a woman whose schedule is open on Wednesday mornings, come to women's Bible study. If you're a young adult, or even if you're an old young adult, come on Wednesday nights to our you know, Wednesday night group. It's just taking off that I'm so grateful for. You know, if, if we have lunch, come to lunch. Just come to everything for four weeks. Just four weeks in a row. I think it'd make a difference. Because these days, and I'm not making this up, I've, I had lunch with someone recently, who this is the way he described it to me, that they'd go visit church one time, and then they would wait a couple of weeks and not go anywhere, and then they would visit church for an hour, a different place, and then not go anywhere for a few weeks, and then go to a different place for an hour, and then they've done that for a year, which means that they've only been to about 10, 12 churches, and then wonder, why are we having such a hard time finding a church home? Well, that's why. And all the while, Jesus is still praying in the garden, 
because there's still so much to be done. There's so much to do. There's still so much to be done in all of this that we may all be one and that we're here together all the time. And I'm saying that, I'm not going to be here next Sunday. So, I mean, we, we do live in a real world, right? I get it. And so I'm wondering what Jesus is really praying for. What's Jesus really praying for that we may all be one? Namely, the church of Jesus as a unified one body of Christ in this world that needs the unified one body of Christ so badly and probably always will. So here's again what Jesus prayed. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be one. As we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may become completely one. The Lord is one. The old men will still be clearing their throats and telling jokes. And we are all one in Christ Jesus. And all the women are strong. And all the men are good looking. And all the children are above average. And most important, the will of the Lord, the church, is one. Amen.